Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're with us again today to see if we have some answers for your questions. We're going to get to some of the good questions that we have stored up answered today and uh, we'd like some more. So we always get new questions and different questions. And, uh, it's amazing what folks can uh, find in the Bible that they don't know about or wonder about. and uh, It keeps us studying and uh, we enjoy trying to find answers for you. If you're a first time viewer, that's how we operate. There's a phone number and a website on the screen you can see there. And uh, <clears throat> you can use either of those anytime you want to give us a question, tell us what's on your mind. And we get a lot that are really Bible-based, very specific about this verse or that chapter or whatever. And then we get a lot that are just general uh, culture kind of questions. Uh, what's going on in this world with this? And is this right or that wrong? And uh, how to raise your family? And uh, lots of things that people wonder about. And the Bible's got principles for everything. As our introduction says, uh, it's God's book to help us live a more abundant life. So there's a lot of good things in the Bible and we'd be happy to share those with you if you just tell us what you'd like to know. So uh, phone number, website on the screen, use them anytime. Toby Levering's back. Hello Toby. Good morning Steve. Glad you're here and ready to answer a few questions and uh, I've studied up on mine a little bit so we'll see if we can answer a few of them today for them. But we always start with one for our viewing audience and uh, that one's about Noah's Ark. Uh, what kind of leaf did Noah's dove return with? Noah sent a dove out and the first dove brought a leaf back. What kind of leaf? And we'll uh, talk about that at the end of the answer to that question at the end of the program see if you got it right. Toby, you drew the first one, so you get to start us off. Okay, a viewer makes the statement, I do not believe God could possibly hate divorce. Uh, well, <laughs> the way you frame that statement is, you know, on this program we study not what everyone else believes, we try to look at what God believes. And how we do that is by looking at God's Word. Now, the culture in which we live, always changing, of course, and uh, we know that man's opinions are going to change about any number of <coughs> topics, especially moral ones, as uh, time progresses. God, however, does not change. He's not like the shifting shadows. And so, let's look specifically at what the Bible says. Uh, first, Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 16 there says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now in the context there, the prophet Malachi is talking about covenant and this, this covenant that Israel was in relationship with the Lord. But divorce is simply a separation of the covenant. And in the marriage covenant, it breaks God's heart because God never intended uh, two people who are joined together by the Lord to be separated. Now, uh, that said, we live in a broken world and sin happens and it messes a lot of things up. 
but I still believe it breaks the heart of God. And a divorce is a messy thing. It is not just a, you know, something that you do and sign the papers and then just kind of wrap it up and wash your hands. Uh, it's an ongoing, life-altering thing. It changes families. It messes up holidays. It, it just uh, has ongoing repercussions. It's the pebble in the pond with the, the waves just continuing <coughs> to break out from the epicenter of that. And so it does have effects on not only the spouses that are left behind, uh, on uh, children and in-laws and all of that. It is just a mess. And that's one of the reasons I think God hates it. Now, I want you to understand very carefully here that the Scripture is not saying, God did not say, I hate divorcees. You know, he's, he is understanding that divorce is sin, but God still loves all sinners. And it uh, doesn't mean that He condones it. But he, he definitely has not written divorced people off. That's what I'm trying to say. So it, it is a messy thing. It, it's not what God intended. God intended for a man and woman uh, to be together. And when they enter into the covenant of marriage, he views that as an eternal covenant. And uh, you'll, you'll be blessed and your family will be blessed if you can keep the covenant and do whatever you can to build it and to nurture it. Uh, your family will be blessed. Your children's children will be blessed if you'll do that. So um, let's read one more scripture. And this is Jesus talking. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God took marriage seriously. He still does. <coughs> Jesus certainly did. And he wants us to have a blessed life. Now, if you're a divorced person and you've already been through that, uh, you know, you, you've got to move forward. But, you, I mean, I think most any divorced person will tell you it's a mess and it causes lots of problems. So if you're a married person, work on your marriage, tend to it, and it'll bless you. Good advice. All right. My viewer wants to know about the difference between the Church of Christ and the United Church of Christ. Just one word difference there, but there's a sizable <laughs> difference. Uh, actually, this question came from one of our market areas. Uh, a lady was taking the Bible correspondence course that we advertise each week, and she wrote in to the folks that grade it that she had found out some disturbing beliefs of the United Church of Christ and was going to quit taking her Bible correspondence course because she thought that was who was providing it. Uh, so those folks explained it to her a bit and said this might be a good one to discuss on the program. So that's where this one came from. There's a quite a bit of difference between the Churches of Christ that provided this program for you, uh, the Northside Church of Christ where Toby and I both attend and work and uh, sponsor this program, that and the United Church of Christ. Uh, if you go to the website First thing you'll find and look for Church of Christ or Churches of Christ, you'll find we don't have a national headquarters. Uh, we're not a denomination in that sense. We're not, we don't have any hierarchy. Uh, we are a group of Churches of Christ that are very fundamental, basic, Bible-believing groups. 
Uh, we're part of a restoration movement. We believe that we just ought to follow the Bible. We just want to be New Testament Christians. Uh, we figure if we just follow what the New Testament church did, uh, then we could all be one if we really did follow that. And so that's what we do. We're individual congregations and uh, we have elders over each congregation and we determine what we do and how we do it with the New Testament as our only guide. So you can't find a headquarters or a statement of faith. Now on our website you can find what we believe, uh, which is very basic Bible teaching, uh, who God is and who Jesus is and He died for us and here's the plan of salvation and, and all of that. So <clears throat> you can go read A Church of Christ's website and probably learn basically the same things. Now the United Church of Christ, you can go to a national headquarters website and see what they are and what they believe and it will explain to you that they are a denomination formed in the mid-1900s, I forget the exact date, but middle of the 20th century, uh, a united group of a couple of different churches went together. And if you keep study, if you look at what they believe uh, on the doctrinal page, uh, it, it's very generic. It's a little hard for me to see exactly what they believe, but they have a pretty generic biblical statement that they believe the Bible and some things like that. Uh, the interesting thing is if you go over to the uh, part on their website that talks about what they're really interested in and what they work on, uh, you'll find a list of things that kind of fall under the head of social justice is what I would call it. And I just wrote down a few of the things that are on their uh, important list and have a lot of uh, committees and things working on this and this is what they uh, push and work for. Uh, the environment, uh, they're anti-guns, they want to stop torture, uh, they want to promote LGBT which is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transvestites, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, economic inequality, uh, debt relief. Uh, they believe that poor countries that owe money to rich countries that debt ought to be forgiven. Uh, they're pro-labor unions and think there ought to be more labor unions. And uh, one is reproductive justice, so they're pro-abortion. Uh, uh, that's what's on their website is the things that they are most interested in and spend their time and money on. Uh, probably the most <coughs> famous uh, United Church of Christ uh, preacher that you've heard of is Jeremiah Wright, uh, who was the pastor for our president, Barack Obama, for about 20-some years. So they are uh, part of the United Church of Christ. So considerably different from what Toby and I uh, talk about here. We generally stick right to the pages of the New Testament, uh, try to answer all your questions from that, and uh, are not quite into some of that social justice uh, work that the United Church of Christ is more important uh, or more interested in. So uh, those are some of the differences and you can study it at more detail if you want, but uh, considerably different. Uh, this program, our correspondence courses, all of that uh, comes to you from the Churches of Christ, the independent Churches of Christ uh, in your area. So I hope that helps understand the difference. All right, Toby. Okay, uh, next question, a viewer asks, does your church believe in eternal hell? Well, not necessarily my church or Steve's church, but the church where we attend, I understand what you're saying, the Church of Christ. Do we 
generally believe in eternal hell. So you've just talked about you know, what basic churches of Christ believe. And I'm going to say in general, uh, there might be a few exceptions, but I think in general, uh, churches of Christ do believe in the hell spoken about in the Bible. And uh, we do so because of what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very clear, and Jesus was very clear, that hell's a real place. It's a, it's a, a punishing place. And it's not a place that God chooses for anyone. It's the place people choose uh, when they uh, choose not to uh, accept the free gift of grace given uh, through, Christ, through Jesus Christ. And that's uh, hell is that eternal place. Uh, Jesus describes it as a very dark place, a very sad place, a very fiery place, a place of real torment. And so I know there are some beliefs out today and some re-examinations of hell and some thoughts that, well, hell is, is maybe just, uh, uh, we're going to think about it a little differently than we have before. Well, that is interesting discussion, but at the core of that, you have to get back to what the Bible looks at and what the Bible teaches and certainly what Jesus said. So the prophets warned us about it. Jesus warned us about it in no uncertain terms. Uh, they basically said, God doesn't want anyone to go there. You don't want to go there. And you need to, you know, take care of things now in this life so that you are not in hell in the next life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 together, where Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so I think in general, yes, we believe it. And that's because what the Bible teaches. I believe so. All right, uh, let's talk about studying the Bible. We study the Bible with you a few few uh, moments every Sunday, and there's a lot more in the Bible than we can get to. So we've got some Bible study materials that we're happy to send you. Great way to study the Bible. And we do advocate home Bible study. Uh, you sitting down with your own Bible and the quietness of your home or in a group if you want to. We have some people that uh, take our courses and uh, get together in a group and go through them all together. Uh, some families do that together. So lots of uses for these courses, but uh, they're mainly to help you know your Bible better. And uh, they're some of the best ways that we know to do that study. Uh, certainly there are other ways. You can do step down strictly read straight through the Bible and uh, with a good study Bible or maybe a, the chronological Bible. Uh, you can learn a whole lot that way. But these courses direct you to certain thoughts and help you, just help you know your Bible. So we provide them. This first course you see on the screen starts with the Old Testament and then the New Testament. You know a lot more about those two big parts of your Bible when you're done. And then you go on to a few other things. And when you get this eight done, uh, we've got more advanced courses that uh, keep you busy for quite a while with Know Your Bible study materials. So phone number, website are on the screen. Use them anytime. Tell us you'd like to get free course. It really is free too. Some people are afraid of religious TV offers uh, because all of a sudden you're on a mailing list and all of a sudden somebody's asking you for money all the time. It won't happen with Know Your Bible. Uh, you'll get on the mailing list to send you your course, but that's it. Uh, and we'll never ask you for money. In fact, the postage is paid. You get an envelope in there with a stamp already on it. Uh, so you're ready to send your course back and get it scored and returned to you. Uh, absolutely free of charge. Take advantage of that. Uh, website, phone number, give us a call. All right. Uh, got a viewer with an interesting opinion here. Let's see what the fellow says. 
uh, might not be a fellow, I'm not sure, but somebody <laughs> said, since people take advantage of the dispensation of grace today, shouldn't we look to the old law, especially the Ten Commandments, to follow and be an example? I think we would be better off. All right, interesting uh, concept here. This guy says people don't do too well with grace. We, uh, we disrespect grace and we go on sinning and say, well, grace covers it. Uh, he said, maybe we ought to go back to the old law and Ten Commandments and be hard and fast about them and uh, we'd probably be better off. Well, uh, that's his opinion and I, <laughs> I could have another opinion and it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's kind of a moot point because God said, uh, here's the plan you're under. God had the old plan first to bring people uh, to a knowledge of God, to bring people to uh, the new covenant time. And then he took that out of the way, nailed it to the cross, and started the dispensation of grace, as this viewer called it. Now, uh, our viewer may not think that's working too well, but I'd point out nobody does, does too well with the Ten Commandments either. Uh, if you want to be judged by that, if you want to just follow the Ten Commandments, uh, sit down and write you a list first and analyze how well you're doing on all ten of them. Uh, there might be a couple of them that you say, ah, pretty good at that. But most of them, if you really look at it and try to think, do I really do this? Uh, boy, you find out you come up pretty short. Uh, so nobody does too well at keeping the Ten Commandments. In fact, nobody's made it yet keeping them all perfectly except the Savior. Uh, so what I'm trying to say in a nice way, it doesn't matter what I think or you think, either one, uh, to call God's plan a little shaky and we ought to try another one, I think that's a little presumptuous. Uh, the book of Hebrews might be a good book for our viewer to read. The book of Hebrews, the whole thing is the writer of Hebrews is proving to the Jews that the dispensation of grace, the new covenant, is much, much better than the old covenant, the Ten Commandments and the rule of law and all that. And he just goes through all the ways that it's different and better and better for this reason, better for that reason, and all of that. Uh, Paul, who lived under both systems, uh, couldn't quit celebrating the new law. Paul loved the dispensation of grace because he knew what living under law was and trying to keep every law that there was and, and trying to follow it perfectly. Uh, he knew that was a burden that was too much to bear. And so he talked a whole lot about how wonderful grace was. Listen to what he says in Romans 6, uh, just exactly about this viewer's question. Romans 6 verses 1 and 2 and then verse 14. He said, what shall we say then? Now, he had just explained grace, understand that. He said, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. See, Paul had the proper understanding of the dispensation of grace. He explained it. And then he said, now, some people are going to say, well, if grace covers it, we'll just keep right on sinning and there'll just be more grace. And he said, no, you don't understand. Under the new system, you die to sin. That's not part of what you think about. You try to avoid sin because you've been saved by grace. Uh, you're not saved by your perfect works. You're saved by a free gift from God, and that makes you want to avoid all sin because of what God has done for you. So Paul thought 
Grace was a whole lot better than the old law, and I think I'll tend to agree with him. I uh, understand what our viewer is saying, but I think God and Paul have probably got this one right. I so let's so. let's go with grace. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> uh, the viewer, next viewer, asked the question: Should Christians observe Ash Wednesday? And uh, <coughs> the viewer is very astute in that they observe the some folks observe uh, taking observance of Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is uh, the celebration. Well, it's really a, it marks the beginning of a season called Lent, which is the 40 days, uh, not including the Sundays preceding Easter. And it's supposed to be a time of repentance <coughs> and fasting and sorrow and, and just a time where you really focus in on um, uh, what uh, Jesus suffered and went through to redeem us. And uh, so all of that is, is kind of a tradition that's come along over the centuries. Uh, they use the uh, uh, palm branches from last year's palm, previous year's Palm Sunday, and they grind those up and make them into ashes and, and uh, put some holy water in and bless it and have incense and all sorts of stuff. And then the priest puts the, the sign of the cross uh, or maybe a smudge on their forehead. And so you'll see people with uh, the ash mark on their head. I think we have a picture of that. Uh, and that is not an uncommon thing. And the viewer here says, is that okay to do? Um, and not all churches celebrate or observe Ash Wednesday. In Churches of Christ, I don't think we generally do. Um, and certainly at Northside, I know that we don't. But the viewer asks, is it okay to celebrate that? Is, that, is there anything wrong with that? Well, uh, I suppose there's no harm in doing it. But you need to know that the Bible doesn't say anything about <coughs> Ash Wednesday. It, it's just a, an observance. It's a religious tradition that is, is totally man-made. And so it's not a required thing in any sense. I guess if a person wanted to do it, it'd be okay. The one danger I see in that is this. Uh, that is outward religiosity. Uh, Jesus, when he spoke about prayer and fasting, uh, he was very clear, keep those things private. Because when you put it on, on, on display for everybody to see, it sort of becomes about look at me. And really Jesus designed, uh, wanted our faith to be personal and real. It doesn't mean it won't show outwardly, but we need to take careful steps to make sure we're not just doing it for other people to see. Uh, the goal is to please our Father who is in secret. So we pray to Him privately. If we fast, we fast privately. All of those things are, are part of uh, the Christian life. Let's look at Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6 together. Paul writes, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So I'm going to say, it doesn't say specifically that we can't. It's probably no harm in doing it. But think about what you're doing it and why. And uh, be careful not to be just doing it so everybody notices. All right. Thank you, Toby. <coughs> Question about the 12 tribes of Israel, and the viewer wants to know who are the 12 tribes of Israel now? Well, it could take us two ways. One is if you're talking about the original tribes, uh, Judah and Zebulon and all that, uh, who's the tribe of Levi and who's in the tribe of Judah? Uh, the answer to that is no one knows. Uh, the Jews went into captivity a number of times, and every time they went to another country like that, they lost some of their uh, 
genealogy, if you will, of their history, of their records, uh, lost contact with who they really were. Uh, that happened enough that it messed everything up. And then in 70 AD, uh, the temple was destroyed and all of the records and history and, and all that. So I don't think today, uh, there might be a few, but somehow I don't know of any, that can, Jews that can trace their lineage to a specific tribe. But in general, they can't. They, they don't know what tribe they were originally from, as far as I understand it. Uh, so that's the answer if you're thinking that. Now, there's another sense in which Christians are the new Israel. Paul talks a lot about that and uses that term. And uh, we're not going to get into the doctrine and the theology of that. But for instance, he picked 12 apostles. And he said they would rule. They were the new rulers. Uh, so there's a connection there somehow to the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's read Galatians 6 and maybe it'll give you something to think about. Galatians 6, 15 and 16. Uh, Paul's talking about this very matter of Judaism and all that. And he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. So in the new covenant, the old sign of the old covenant doesn't mean anything. What counts is a new creation peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. And he's talking about the church there, the Christians, and he calls them the Israel of God. So there's a sense in which Christians have become the, the true Israel. And uh, like I say, that's a whole other study and all that, but maybe that's what our viewer is talking about. Uh, that's kind of replaced the 12 tribes. All right, let me take just a moment to invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're supported and kept on the air by Churches of Christ. One of our partners over in uh, Missouri area is the Watermill Church of Christ in Springfield. A great bunch of folks there uh, have been our supporters and uh, work in that area for us and answer the phones and do a lot of that for us. So we thank them. And if you know somebody from that congregation, you might thank them also. Tell them that you watch Know Your Bible and appreciate them keeping it on the air. So our partners in Watermill, thank you for all that you do. Tell me one last question. Sure. A viewer asked the question, where in the Bible does it say the gospel has been preached to all four corners of the earth? Well, it kind of depends on the translation you're looking at. I think there's a verse in Isaiah that talks about the four corners of the earth, but it doesn't necessarily talk about preaching the gospel. And some translations call it the four quarters of the earth and so forth. I think the idea here is it's from the all parts of the earth coming together. Of course, we know the earth is round and certainly doesn't have any corners, but just the idea, it's the total uh, earth is where the world is, is where the gospel is going to be preached. Uh, and this idea was contained, uh, was what Jesus talked about. And of course, we know uh, that the Peter preached the first sermon at Pentecost. And from there, the gospel went to the Jews in Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples, note here, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It doesn't specifically say four corners, but the whole idea there is that the gospel is <coughs> preached to all creation. And that's our role as Christians in the church. That was the plan. All right, let's take our trivia question, make sure we get it answered. What kind of leaf uh, did Noah's dove mm -hmm. return with? Well, in the famous story of the ark, 
Noah sent an, uh, a dove out and the dove came back with an olive leaf in his mouth. So that meant there was the top of an olive tree showing somewhere. So Noah knew the water was going down. We're glad you've been with us this week. We'll invite you to come back for some more of your questions next week. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.